Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello guys, this is week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. Um, have you been, if you've been following me recently, you'll know that uh, a certain monumentous uh, occasion occurred or has occurred after listening to this episode. I myself, me, myself and I, uh, turned 50 this year. So I was thinking, hmm, you know, why don't I do a show about albums that turn 50? Now I've already done a similar show. I did... Uh, my 50th episode, and it was an album that turned 50. There was not many then, actually, back then. It was last year. This year, being uh, 2023, and me being born in 1973, I thought, um, there'd be a couple. There was a slew of albums that turned 50 uh, on the year of my birth. But I'm going to pick two. I'll go through them in a minute. I'm going to pick two um, that I'm keen on, that I love a lot. Um, I can talk about ad nauseum, and then uh, before I do that, let's this let's do the Scooby Doo thing. You know, the we'll go back in time, wibbly wobbly, wibbly wobbly, and um, and uh, and think about what happened, what was going on in 1973, apart from me popping my head out into the world for the first time, uh, which should be good enough, shouldn't it? Really, uh, I did some research about living in the UK. So sorry, American listeners. Um, just because that's, I'm English, so I went for the UK uh, equivalents of the American stuff. You can get this information anywhere, really. Um, the average British home uh, in the average suburban part of the UK to buy a house back in 1973 was £9,000. Now, that sounds like pennies, doesn't it, when we think about it? But uh, they were only, you know, the average man, uh, working man was probably only earning two to three hundred pounds a year. Um, so it's, you know, it's a lot of money. Let me so maybe you just, yeah, because it's meant to be six times, well, the, the the maths is six times your annual income, isn't it? So, well, it is now anyway. Um, so there, there you can see, so 9,000 pounds to buy a house. Brilliant. Um, but 97.3 was a really tough year. 
Uh, firstly, I came into the world, woohoo! But secondly, a lot of you know strange things were happening. Um, America was just coming out of the uh, Vietnam War after uh, arduous time there, um, losing lots of its um, men, women um, to that battle. Thank goodness that that, that one came to an end. Um, you know, the UK had this thing called the three-day working week because OPEC um, and oil and coal was going up in prices so dramatically because in, the um, inflation at, the, at that particular time in the UK was 8.5%. Um, they couldn't afford to uh, power engines and, uh, and, and most things were coal-fired. Uh, power stations so they could only give the houses um, and workplaces three days of power so my father being one of them had to go on the third three day working week uh, which means that he only worked three days and he got paid for three days and for the rest of that time there was no power um, they did it again late in the 70s but I remember it later on but my obviously I don't remember 73 I was a, I was a baby but my brothers tell me that it was uh, quite bad you know they would sit around the 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 lounge room in uh, icy cold like under blankets trying to keep warm they'd have black mar- well my father got black market coal be my father so he would keep the place warm as best he could because we had a coal fire then um and they did it. I, th- I remember it happening again later in the seventies with when there was a minor strikes and stuff. I don't think it was three day then, but it was there were strikes and we were definitely um, struggling. I may have getting my memories mixed up. I may have mentioned before my last episode, the fiftieth episode, where I said I remember the three day working week, but I think I'm, that was probably more than minor strikes of the late seventies and early eighties. Anyway, that aside, you know, um, so it's I. I um, remember the 70s uh, as being quite a, I call an avocado world. I do remember them being brown and grey and green um, and, you know, full of, um, full of, full of, um, I don't know, just sort of seemed to be, everyone seemed to be down and, and it seemed dirty. I just, they're my vaguely members of the 70s, so people that were, um, you know, people that lived through that and had were probably teenagers and a great time. I don't remember it that much. All I do remember it just being a bit sort of, yeah, a little bit dirty and dull. Um, anyway, that aside, um, lots of things did happen. So back to what happened. So movies, um, popular movies of that particular year. The Exorcist, one of my favourite movies of all time. Um, Deliverance, Live and Let Die. Um, uh, Last Tango in Paris all I can say is if you want to see that movie know what I'm talking about Jesus Christ Superstar was a film there was a film version of that do you remember that one it's uh, it's not a particularly good musical and it's not a particularly good movie uh, American Graffiti and The Sting so there were some big movies there coming out I mean obviously a lot more than that then you your popular musicians and songs okay so Stevie Wonder was big ABBA The Eagles John Lennon Paul Simon, Pink Floyd, Rod Stewart, Michael Jackson, Elton John, Rolling Stones, Moody Blues, David Bowie, Led Zeppelin, Wizard, ELO, Paul McCartney with Wings, Bob Marley and the Whalers, and Diana Ross, to name a few. So when we were listening to that sort of strange mix of 
middle of the road um, faded hippie pop um, and let's be honest that's what it was we can look back on it with um, with romantic eyes and some of these people when Led Zeppelin knowed everybody wonderful ELO fantastic Bob Marley wonderful Rod Stewart you know John Lennon the Eagles Abba Stevie Wonder amongst that there's also a big swathe of a really boring pop music so when people say oh pop music today is terrible it's really bad today it was actually pretty bad really then as well it's just that you just had more musicality i think in the pop music even though it was bland and and terrible and you know you're running and artists of this world and uh things like that you know that sort of um your mum and dad let's not offend anyone post 60s blandness uh and then what were we watching on tv well it seems to me it was a lot of mix of UK and US in in England. There wasn't much outside of that. So the Odd Couple, Partridge Family, Columbo, um, the Old Grey Whistle Test. So those that don't know what that is, so those outside of um, the UK in the 70s and 80s, the Old Grey Whistle Test was the the program to be on. It was the most. It was a live music show um, that had also interviews and some pop some videos but it was mainly live in the studio and it was bad it was the only place you were going to get to see some of these bands i remember seeing meridian on it um, the damned motorhead uh, blondie the ramones i mean you know you name it they played there i don't know if i made never did oh they may have done i may be wrong um but there's so much that was every week was something different to watch you know and it was a live show i remember seeing um the squeeze to call for cats on there and been just you know blew my mind right amazing um um it wasn't a, there was a lot of punk, the pistols there was a lot of punk on there but there was also looked down upon by uh bob bob who did was it bob, whispering bob wilson i think it is um that did the um the the, the show he was quietly spoken and he was a music like knew everything was about music he didn't like the punk movement i think he didn't like the pistols in general really um and then what else were we watching okay then you got are you being served um you know a time when you could be camp and a time when you could be um i don't know you, you could tread on people's toes and get away with it you know woke hadn't taken over and sucked the joy out of life it was yes some of it looking back on it it's probably we shouldn't have been laughing at it but all the same time why not yeah also you know um then you've got cold it's which is a great uh mini series based around the the uh the second world war uh prisoner of war camp the one that was meant to be un um unescapable from i used to play the game we had a board game called cold it's which was the most complicated elongated board game in the history of board games if you've ever played it those that have played it or know I love it. I, would, I mean, looking back on it now, I go, oh my God, how did I spend the whole day trying to get my guard, my men out from under the wire, avoiding the guards and making forced parts? It was brilliant. Um, but how did a 10-year-old enjoy that? Strange. I mean, 10-year-olds would not play cold. It's now. I got no. Um, Emmerdale Farm. Emmerdale Farm, which was like a, like a... I won't say terrible because I don't remember it too well. It was a sick... Uh, it was a, a soap opera. Um, on the same sort of time that Coronation Street was going and um, it had this character called Benny on it I remember and he had a, he had a woody beanie 
and he's a bit simple. And he, he and I'm going to be rude here. He, I remember him. We were at school, and we, you know, we'd always muck around with the, the kid that was a, was a little bit um, simple. And I'm not being, I'm not. Don't get me cancelled. I'm not. <laughs> but we just did that sort of stuff. We would call him Benny, you know. And um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not proud of that, um, but it is what we did. Um, then you had Mash. I, I look again. I have a love hate relationship with Mash. Uh, I love it when it's anarchic and it's hardcore. And then it became well every week. It became about um, some soppy love, you know, war message. I know it was all about war, but the the best bits about it were the absurdity of war. Not not trying to be. I know. I know. It was. Just, it just got a bit too soppy for me. Um. And then the Waltons. Oh my God, my mother loved the Waltons. Bloody hell, it was either that or it was Little House on the Prairie, or oh my God, or or the Littlest Hobo, or, or Black Beauty, or Lassie. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. I, it was like I, I, you know, when you're a young boy, I, even now I struggle to want and feel my emotions at best of times. I don't want to sit there and cry. I like to just because I do cry at the drop of a hat. I was like, no, no, don't want to do it. And I'd walk away, right? Um, Mum would make us watch it. Uh, and make us is a hard word. We we could have walked away, sure. But you didn't want to offend Mum. So you sit there and watch it, right? Not my cup of thing. Cup of tea, anyway. Um, and some good things happened in 73. The opening of the Opera House, Sydney Opera House, uh, which is a beautiful piece of architecture. If you get a chance to come to Australia and see it, most people know what it looks like. Um you have to be living on a rock not to know what the opera house looks like it is a beautiful building i'm it's it's more wondrous in in the in in the flesh than it is um in photographs i think actually really being there seeing it really does um you can see why it's one of the seven wonders wonders of the world um the endangered species act uh was first formed in 1973 which is brilliant so until then you know um people just killed and shot what they wanted to um, and built over, you know, precious um, land where creatures were trying to survive. Um, so that's really, that was, you know, these bonus, these are good things in 1973. Um, the referendum in Northern Ireland, so Northern Ireland get, um, gets part, to stay, uh, voted to stay part of the United Kingdom, which, you know, sort of caused problems again, re-IRA we won't go back into those right the Bahamas gained independence from Great Britain so it became its independent state which is a, a wonderful thing I think that should be the case in all of these independent these countries um, Concord um, flew for the first time 1973 it got to the speed of 945 miles per hour it's pretty amazing isn't it, when you think about it my wife's aunt worked on Concord for a little while um, yeah uh, barcodes were first used in 1973 in the US. So all these momentous things. This particular year, optical fiber was invented. So you know we could then send information much faster and further. Space the space station Skylab was launched. Yeah. Um, there was the uh, look at the the Watergate um, trials began in 1973. So all these crazy uh, stuff that's happening, pretty good. And I was there at the beginning of it. Lovely to think in it, really. Um, I'm just looking for this. I'm reason I'm also the fashions. Now <clears throat> I said at the beginning of the show about everything. I always remember the seventies being avocado and brown and 
Now, I do vividly remember having to wear crushed velvet flares, brown. I do remember wearing a green, blue and yellow striped v-neck cardigan uh, in school photographs. I remember having a bowl haircut. Uh, this is the sort of thing that we had to live through in the late, in the mid-70s uh, as young children. I suppose the older kids wouldn't have known, but friends of mine are much older than me. They were probably more independent in 73, but when you're coming into the world in 73 and getting to sort of the age of about 1980 when you were seven or 79 when you were six, um, you were at the hands of your mum and dad, you know. I remember being taken down to the hairdressers, which was the back of a sweet shop, and I would sit on a plank, I went across the chair, and this Indian mate of my dad's who was hairdressers cut my hair in so badly and cut my ears and nicked my skin. And dad would just tell me, stop, stop mucking around, you know, and he'd get really angry. And I always got short back and sides. I think that's why now I wear, I have long hair. Probably one of the reasons, probably part of my rebellious um, phase, you know. Uh, there's also, you know, the World Trade Center was built in the 73. I remember climbing those in the 80s, uh, early, mid-80s when I went to America. Um, obviously now, sadly, you know what that's connected to. Um, but the IRA uh, were quite prevalent um, in the UK in 73 as well, probably because of the signing of this Northern Ireland. They blew up King's Cross. Um, my brother telling me, vividly remembers that happening. He was 14 at the time. Yeah, so you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a you know, Bangladesh elects its first prime minister. Uh, there were UK union strikes. One point five million people striked in nineteen seventy three. The TUCU brings in a protest a day. Uh, brings in um, strikes. So it was one point five million people were protested, pro, protested a day in nineteen seventy three. Pretty amazing, really. Um, and Princess Anne married Mark, uh, Captain Mark Phillips. So. A good year all round, really. Uh, some ups and downs. Me coming to the world. It's a big up, isn't it? Oh, yeah, don't you think? But I do, you know, you can all look back on when you turn a certain, when you become a certain age and you have those um, rose-tinted moments, like I've been doing recently, sort of soul-searching, you know, like as uh, as Douglas Adams would say, the dark tea time of the soul. You, you, you're lying there at night and you're thinking back about your life and, it does, and you do reflect. I think males a lot reflect on where you have and where you're going um, and where you've been, sorry. And I feel like I've lived so many lifetimes, ridiculous, you know, um, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, traveling and emigrating and, and um, you know, having all these wacky life experiences, which obviously I've talked about on the show and I've got many more I can talk about. Um it's just crazy. I'm really privileged to have um, lived through such a great musical. Let's take it back to the music side, chatting away about life. But the music side of of um, of it, you know, like all the you know the, the the craziness of the of the glam of of the seventies. You know, all the the mirrored hats, the big flares, the um, Shangalang, you know, this world, the, the, my mum, my mum, 
my auntie making my sister wear um we're not waking she asked for it um you know the 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 um the, the half leg tartan pants and the and the braces for the because she was really into um the Bay City Rollers, you know. Um, I just remember that, you know, her playing Shana Lang all the time. Um, you know, and of course, then the loudest band in the world being Slade and, and uh, you know, the, 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 the pomposity and the, the, the arrogance of prog rock, which I bloody love, um, you know, sort of in, in conjunction against the, facileness of the early late 60s early 70s pop um you know the intellects intellectualizing intellect i can't say it let's rewind a bit what the intellectualizing of music that's not the right word but you know what i'm trying to say right um the the, the taking back of the of the technicality of music and music becoming more technical it was always more technical wasn't it um but it was I think those that listened to technical music uh, were probably very limited, and you knew who they were. They were the guys with the big mutton chop sideburns, the big glasses, the thick um, green roll neck jumpers sitting in their lounge rooms with their big canned headphones and the curly um, um, cable that went to the stereo and the, the chair next to the stereo. I dream of that. That's, that's my ideal um, scenario, to be honest. Re regard not the glasses and the roll neck, but the the stereo and the chair. Um, you know the times when your dad or your uncles would spend weeks and weeks, you know, flicking through what hi-fi magazines and taking all the information in before they went and bought that specific stereo. You know, it was like it was almost more popular, more important than their car. I mean, my uncle spending an inordinate amount of time and money on his stereo um, and you know he and only he could touch it and only he could put the records on the deck and only he could lower the, the stylus into the groove like he was it was like a religious thing for him and um, I understand where it's coming from really but you know there's the taking back of the intellectualization of music so they were trying to reinvent music but in a more modernist way, but it also in a sort of slimy elite this way, which thank goodness they that was there because without that, probably punk wouldn't have arrived. And without punk, we wouldn't have the modern musical structures that we do now, re um, independent record labels, uh, independent releases, YouTube probably wouldn't be there without punk, same as Spotify and all the stuff that we are so used to now. Now people might not agree with me but this is, is the case I think because it was up until the 77 um, 76, 77 music was controlled 100% by middle class white males um, in offices choosing what they think is the, what is to be heard and what was good and what was not good um, it wasn't until music press, really music press, music press like NME, Sounds, Melody Maker, where young people, and I say young people, I mean youngish people in their early twenties, um, were making this, were making the, 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 the splashes and the movement, and and the, and making that 
definition. Those people became middle-aged men, of course, and those people men became the establishment. But before that, they weren't. They were movers and shakers. And again, this is why prog is really important, um, because without that, without the stuffiness of some of it, and without the the um, what some people considered overbearing intellectual music. Uh, they it wouldn't have created that rebellion I don't think that fight against which now we get both we get the best, best of both worlds don't we we get the wonderness and the, the textures and the depth and the and the glory of um, storytelling and uh, and beautiful pieces of, of classically driven rock music in prog and then we also get the the flash the anger the speed the rage the brightness the colour the the tech the the motion motion the the movement the the aggression the the creativity of punk that obviously went on to become other things like rock and roll heavy metal and so on um not rock and roll it was before then you know what i mean um 80s pop music synth based pop music you know these again um how wonderful was that the, the rebellion of of the anarcho um trash of punk became the um, stylized modernism of 80s pop um, because they they use, they want to use the rebellion of that but they want to say clean and dancing and 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 light and and more modern and it didn't sound like it was played for a, a damaged cone speaker it wanted to be um, it wanted to be the 80s where everything was um, electronic and shrinking right so great these things have to come they have to be there for the, each of them to thrive on and that's why you know you know we have the rock and roll of of the 50s the simple structure american based rock and roll of the 50s that you know then you had your 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 your, your love and peace of the 60s which this we we've talked about this before got and goes nowhere right it's doing nothing and so then the the 70s come along and it's it's rock and roll it's glam it's colorful it's bright because they they sort of want they don't want to sit down into a they don't want to be they want to sit down and and waste their time smoking dope and and doing nothing they want to take speed make loud music and 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 trash around and then there's that sort of there's that kind of androgynous man woman woman man david bowie kind of t-rexy kind of thing going on um in glam because glam was about fun and colour and, and loudness and pomposity. But then Paul comes along and goes, no, that's too... It's, it, you, you're taking it away. This, this brings some intellectual, this brings some Brahms and some classical music, this brings some strange time signatures in. Why can't we be a loud part of this scene? And they create it. And of course, as we said, it goes on to punk and so on. It's a, a wonderful um, way that music does... Um, flow and change from you know while it's important to have one thing and the other way you can't take one thing away because if you take one thing away it makes no sense in the contents archaeologically um you know like in archaeology in archaeology archaeology you have um stratospheric stratospheric effects and you know each layer of the earth has a thing in it and if you find a bit of pot in the low levels or a bit of um you know a statue bit or a coin and you know which level it is and you can tell which one it is was and you need those there so you can tell the the depths and the history of that area and it's the same with the music you need each layer uh, and that's why they're very 
important to really understand most of it. Anyway, that's me rabbiting on. I went on a sidetrack there. Uh, so 1973, right? Um, albums that are out in 1973. I will talk about those in the second half. I know you're waiting. You're going, come on, Tony. What albums? Get to the albums. Bloody hell, get to the albums. What is this crap about? You know, history. I don't want a history lesson. Well, it is because I'm 50. It means a lot to me. It is what it is my birth year, and so why don't we just chill out, man? As my brother would say, he used to drive me down the street. Anyway, <clears throat> he's a hippie, my brother. Um, well, he was. I think he is now. Uh, anyway, let's just move along, and I'll see you on the B side. We'll talk about a couple of albums that turned fifty that this year, and a load of others that were sort of honourable mentions. Anyway. Talk to you on the other side, guys. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back, guys, to part two. I blathered a bit on the first part. Sorry, I was, you know, um, there's a lot going on at the moment. My father is not very well. Um, and so sometimes, you know, I, I'm chatting away and I have a door and my brain went somewhere else. I do apologize. I'm sorry if I did waffle towards the end there. My poor brother, yes, he's a hippie, but he, he doesn't mean any harm for it. You know, a lot of people are hippies, aren't they? Hey, come on. Um, so don't get offended by that. I wasn't meant to be negative. I like everyone, you know me. Anyway, albums that turned 50 in 1973. Let me get my book out. Ruffle, ruffle. 
ruffle ruffle where the bloody hell is it okay so this is just a few okay um black sabbath sabbath bloody sabbath um genesis is genesis selling england by the pound the studios of raw power the who quadrophenia can't believe quadrophenia 1973 um zeppelin's house of the holy band on the run by wings elp or emerson lake and palmer brain salad surgery uh, one of my favorite albums of all time Towers from a topographic ocean by yes now there are a handful okay there were a lot more but not really relevant to us i'm not going to go through all of the bloody mungo jerry albums or whatever i'm just they're the ones that would mean something to you and me right um i'm going to talk about sabbath bloody sabbath and selling england by the pound um but honorable mentions the stooges will power absolute classic you you wouldn't think that the, the raw power was 73 you just wouldn't i mean i would have thought it was 77 genuinely it's so punk it's ridiculous um iggy at his best um really it's it it is it's it's um a i won't say it's underrated because it's not it's considered one of the one of the sort of foundation uh, albums of the 70s the punk movement sort of look back on it now and use it as a a guideline right like the modern lovers as an album as well um it's just track for track a bloody classic album and the cover of course is just wonderful and who quadrophenia um you know they'd done the they'd done tommy as a as a rock opera they'd proved that there was uh, legs in um a story driven album uh they followed with quadrophenia uh, not literally followed it, but they you know put out the Quadrophenia again. Um, teenage angst. The movie's wonderful. It's got Sting and Toya, and it, it's just it is a um, it isn't my favourite Who album. I have to tell you, um, by no way is it my favourite Who album. I think sometimes um, when um, Pete's work can be a little bit. Um, self-indulgent and a little bit um i don't know it, it just seemed a little bit like he was trying too hard it is a great album don't get me wrong it's fantastic and those i love it love it i do love it i have it i remember my brother wearing um the mod green jacket and going down to you know with the target on the back he was a big who fan and um you know in the 80s and that was his that was his thing looking back at quadrophenia um the zeppelin's the house of the holy Possibly my favourite Zeppelin album, actually. Um, that's sort of midway point of their career. Uh, really heavy, um, blues-driven rock. Uh, what can I say about Zeppelin? I'm not going to go on about Zeppelin. We all know about Zeppelin. Um, Band on the Run, Wings. I love the Beatles, uh, but I will tell you now that I'm not a huge McCartney solo album person. Um my darling wife loves his solo work. Good friends of mine, Mel- Melvin in the UK, loves his solo work. Absolutely loves it. I look. I love the cover. I love song. I love the song "Band on the Run." I really do. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I think McCartney is better with Lennon than he is on his own. And they, I've said it. You, you know, shoot me down. I'll make me a pariah. I don't really care. Um, then. Emerson, Lake and Palmer's brain salad surgery. Now, what can we say about brain salad surgery? Apart from one of the most iconic album covers of all time, the the H.R. Geiger um, alien on the front, 
Now, if you've got an original copy of it, it's a it's a trifold cover. So the two flaps open to reveal more artwork on the front of the cover. Uh, it's a gatefold with scar in the middle of it. It's beautiful, and the album itself is along with Tales from the Topographic Ocean, which came out in the same year, is personally and possibly the most outrageous um, and flamboyant use of intellectual music you'll ever come across. It is um, delicious in its complexity. It is strikingly mad in its... um, uh, concepts and um, just ju- just knowing that bands albums like Brain Salad Surgery, Thousand Topographic Ocean, Close to the Edge, Lambs Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, albums like this, knowing that they exist in the world is a marvel. It is a it is a thing of beauty. These are crazy crazy albums, you know. Um, and when I say crazy, I don't mean you put them on and it's unlistenable noise because it's not. Um, there is this consensus out there that these bands made this, you know, um, twenty-minute songs that no one could enjoy that were musically unlistenable bullshit. And I'm going to say that loudly and violently. Um, yes. It takes time to enjoy them, and if you're not used to that kind of music, it's not for you. Fine, move on. Go and listen to your ABBA and your Stevie Wonders. Go on, it's fine. Absolutely fine, if that's what you want. But just the fact this crazy... Stunt and Dark Side of the Moon, 73 as well, I think, that, you know, that, you know, this that these pieces of music, these um, stylized... Uh, intellectual university type music exists and crazily enough sold huge amounts um says it all says a lot to me and i I just i just feel so full of joy that they're still in the world and they were in the world in general anyway this move to the first of the two albums let's listen and look talk about black sabbath's sabbath bloody sabbath what a good year. How could I not, being born in 73, how could I not love prog and black and heavy metal when, when two of the biggest albums of the year were, uh, were most of the albums of the year were prog, but the big one was Black Sabbath, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, you know? Um, following on from Volume 4's stylistic changes, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath brought to the, 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 the heavy metal world, although I don't know, in 73, that term was really very much a word used, a term used. I would say heavy rock. You know and I know that Black Sabbath is heavy metal, but the term itself was very new. Um, they used bagpipes, synths, sitars. They used all sorts of instruments in this particular album. It is a non-stop heavy riffage album i've talked about sabbath's my favorite sabbath albums in the past on the show and i do still think um that i really love um you know technical ecstasy and i people roll their eyes um and i and i do love paranoid and of course i love um 
Black Sabbath's first album, Black Sabbath, of course, of course, Volume 4, Master of Reality, amazing. But Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, for me, is the one that stops you in your tracks and says, this is who we are. Stop there, stop right there, listener. This is who we are. This is our line in the sand, people. Um, and because, firstly, it has an amazingly amazing cover that really just... If you're not sure what type of music Sabbath is until you see the cover, you know what it is, right? Um, then it has a non-stop 50-minute barrage of riffage gloriousness. You know, it opens with um, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, right? One of the greatest heavy metal riffs of all time. Now... The band was going through some real big problems when this album came about. They went to the US to record, couldn't quite get their head around it, came back to the UK. There were band issues within the band. Omi and Ozzy were getting not getting on. Butler was struggling with a drug issue, which they all were, really. Um, you know, I mean, they were writing... Omi says himself he had massive writer's block. This was down wholly to the amount of cocaine uh, and uh, other barbiturates that they were taking and and they admit to that um, because even though it, a drug like that is a creativity you can use it for creativity for creativity it will also hinder and stop your creativity it will put you in your tracks it was like as i said before in the show people take lsd in the 60s they didn't go out and create great masterpieces of art they took the lsd sat in the chair and they were the chair right um it absorbed it destroyed your creativity in a lot of ways um and so you have sabbath bloody sabbath which is you know another homage homage back to their love of horror movies one of the reasons they started the band in the first place with that particular type of music because of their love of hammer horror and and the darker side of life right and then you get a national acrobat now i had always loved this song was never quite sure really what it was about but according to the research it's about um dna um Giza butler said it's about the uncertainty of how one spermatozoma gets to the egg and why that one gets there um i've you know i've had to listen to it again and i still don't quite get where he's coming from there again might be the drug influence um and then you get this wonderful thing that sabbath did a lot and maiden did it sort of copied a bit was you get an instrumental on the album fluff it it's a bit of throwaway i think why it's called fluff it's great, but it's, you know, it's a beautiful piece of music, but isn't that outrageous? Um, and then you've got, you know, Sabacadabra, bit of fun. Let's be honest, just a bit of fun. Um, a lyrical play and nuance that you don't get a lot in, in, in there, that you don't get much of at the time. It's quite fun. And then Killing Yourself um, to Live. I think, I believe I read that that's um, Kirk Hammett's favourite Sabbath song. I like it. Um, it uh, it is very Aussie. It, it's got Oz written all over it, stamped all over it. Of course, you know. And who are you? One of those sort of middling, forgettable tracks. Um, Looking for today and Spiral Architect. So you know, again, what the, the album ends on some heavy duty rippage. There's some beautiful acoustic guitar work in those tracks as well. You know, so 
what a year. So we, we've, we, we've got arguably one of the best Black Sabbath albums ever written. And then, and then in the same year, guys, I'm going to grab my copy of the vinyl here. Oh, oops. We get Selling England by the Pound. Um, I first come across this sort of album. Um, I'd been listening to a lot of Marillion and Fish did a cover version on one of the really rare uh, early recordings of I Know What I Like on your in Your Wardrobe. Um, it's probably why now I think about it that it's such an important song to me. Uh, we saw, was it last year? It might be the year before. No, it was last year. We saw Stephen Hackett, so in 2022, um, play the Delay concert from 2020. Um, he came over and played the entire um, Selling England set uh, and he did um, I Know What I Like in Your Wardrobe and truly when music when music takes you a place where where everyone around you can fuck off and the world is um, is is empty but you and and, and your heart is swollen with 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 just uh, and uh, with just love and you smile from ear to ear and, and and almost like a sensual experience that's what i got when um steve played that i was in tears genuine in tears um and everyone else could have just fucked off i couldn't have cared sorry john sorry mark all the people with me but i i was like no i'm i you know just leave it I just I need to have this moment because it probably won't happen again um so beautiful beautiful album um the fifth Genesis album reached um number four in the in the UK charts um I just have written it down here three in the UK charts probably sorry um the single off it I know like in your wardrobe was the first single to get the breach the top 30 got to 21 in the UK um it is arguably, I mean, I've said this before and I'll say this again, that Landmines Down on Broadway is one of the greatest albums ever made and it is Genesis' pinnacle um, album. But there are albums that, that circle that for me that are equally as masterful and as wondrous. And I think the Selling England by the Pound is one of them. Okay? Yes, it, it, it can be lyrically... Um, overblown um, the lyrics I mean even you know um, Gabriel's turned around and said you know that um, Battle of Epping Forest was a bit too wordy uh, I don't care it's it, it's pastoral music it's what for me so I've got this album in my hand and I genuinely mean this Selling England by the Pound is what prog progressive rock music, and I'm not talking about neo-progressive, modern progressive, metal progressive, I'm talking about the proper progressive movement, um, 72 to 75, around that period, is what it's all about. It's pastoral, it's floral, it's rounded music, it's soft music, it's story-driven, it's got... Um, beautifully mastered wonderful independent independently fantastic virtuosity it's got um hooks it's got one of the best guitar solos of all time in the fourth of firth and i've had the privilege along with my best friends with john and mark and to sit there and parksy to sit there and actually see the genius of stephen hackett play that solo 
Um, and if you don't know what that solo is, you don't have to, if you're not a big Genesis fan, you're not interested, that's fine. You don't have to listen to the whole album, although I highly recommend it. Just pick out that, at that track and play it and just listen to the guitar solo. And if that guitar solo doesn't move you, then I think you're dead from the, from the neck down, personally. Um, it starts with Dancing with the Moonlit Night. What a wonderful, crazy song. And it, it makes me smile because my mum used to collect green sealed stamps from the co-op. And there's a great line in it that says, Dance in the Moonlit Light. And let, me get my, let me get the lyric sheet out so I get it exactly right. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, here we go. Um, the Knights of the Green Shield Stamp and Shout. Um, you know, I love that that play on words, you know. Uh, it's so Genesis, so Gabriel. And then you get, you get the single, I Know What I Like in Your Wardrobe. Crazy. Um, if you can work out what it's about, good on you. I reckon you could write whole thesis on that song. Um, it was originally, the original cover, uh, which was painted by, I believe, I did write this down. Excuse me. Um, Bethy Sedwick. Um has doesn't have a lawmo on the front. Um, they she couldn't fit it in, didn't have time. And when they wrote the song, they wanted it on the album as released as a single, they had to reissue the album with the lawmo. So some albums out there, early prints that don't have the lawmo on the front. And of course the Fifth of Firth. Now I've sailed on the Fifth of Firth, it's a river in Scotland, um, in Edinburgh. Beautiful, beautiful river. Um, that the song does it justice. Um, more for me, and it's Phil Phil Collins sings on this one, and actually, genuinely, it's his Ringo Starr moment, right? But it is um, it's a wonderful, great way of finishing this, this the 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 A side. It's whimsy, it's beautiful, and it does catch you actually, catches you in the back of the throat. It's quite interesting. And then we open up with the Battle of Epping Forest on side two now. You know, that's just um, now. I believe that's something like twelve minutes long. That is, there is some. I'm not going to tell you about it, but there's some very funny moments that both John and I enjoy. Um, and when we see it live, we look at each other. Um, and there is there's just some moments that some acting in it that Gabriel does. Um, um, uh, just brilliant, right? Um, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you because I, I won't do it justice. But again, grab that one. It just isn't the whole album. It's just like Black Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. It's best as a whole album than it is by individuals. Uh, and then you've got After the Ordeal. That's a nice re. That's a nice moment because it's quite um, sparsely lyric and it's quite open in its uh, refrains. It's a nice um, uh, palate cleanser from the intensity of Battle of Epping Forest. But then you jump into Cinema Show, and I believe this is one of my friend's favourite songs. I think he likes musical box. We love cinema show, and I am with that too. The um, John's favourite songs. Um, it's a great story. Again, twelve or so minutes long. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it's about. I want you to jump in and listen to it. I really think you should. I, I think it would ruin me trying to uh, tell you the story of this song. Uh, again, it's a great Tony Banks in this is by far one of his, I think it's one of his best pieces outside of um, Supper's Ready which is you know 
unreproachable um, the keyboard play parts in this and I'm not even a big Tony Banks fan I'd put it on much more of your your Wakeman's and your Keith Emerson's of this world um, but he plays because he can be a little bit too twee um, but this is beautiful and then it ends on Isle of Plenty again really good stuff from Stephen Hackett on Isle of Plenty really really good stuff I mean you know it Phil Collins was on drums and vocals. Michael Rutherford was on 12-string guitar, bass, and electric sitar. Stephen Hackett, electric guitar, and nylon guitar. Tony Banks, keyboards, and 12-string. Gabriel, vocals, flute, oboe, and percussion. So amazing album, really. Um, I'm holding the reissue here at the moment. You can get oh, hang on the microphone, see, um, which you can get in most places now um, quite easily. This is the 180-gram reissue um, that came out in 2008. Um, on the Charisma label. Um, so I highly recommend that. I'm just going to put this back over there. I was listening to that this morning. So they're the two albums that I would say, I mean, I could talk about, as I said, all those other ones. I mean, I'd happy to talk about, um, I've already said, mentioned, you know, ELP, Tales from the Tropical Ocean. Again, that album um, is a such a snapshot of what prog really is and what the 70s were. You know, I mourn, genuinely mourn, um, for the creativity of the 70s, late 60s, all of the 70s and the early 80s. I mourn for it. The 90s were bland. Um, 2000s were all about, you know, clean sound and digitising, which got bland. You know, there was no risks taken. Whereas, you know, the 70s, wow, come on, man. Like, who, I mean... You, in, in the space of 10 years, I mean, in the space of 10 years, you've gone from the end of the psychedelic period, you've got heavy rock sitting there with your Deep Purples and your and your, and your Black Sabbaths and your, um, your Freeze and your Bad Fingers. And then you go in and then you've got your, then you move into your glam, you know, that straddles that kind of weird, you know, asexual um, androgyny. Uh, with David Bowie and T-Rex and Wizard and then and and Slade and then you move to punk and punk is that you know sorry progressive not with the you know, as I mentioned the strangeness the the weirdness the, the intellectual uh, you know the sort of I don't know the the bookiness of it and then you know you go from that into the punk the fire and the burn and the passion at the end of this, the decade it takes a decade out you know, ends the decade with fire, you know, and then you start the mid eight, early 80s with this sort of semi-punk new wave and synth pop and new instruments being invented, new ways of recording with Fairlight and new, um, you know, no one was scared to do anything um, in, those, in that era. And I just genuinely think I'm so very proud to have been born in 73 and to be part of that, even though I was only a young child. And I made no bones about that. I was only a young boy then, but I still am a child of the 70s and I really think that I mourn for it. because, And that's what I love about doing this show and why I like heavy metal at the moment. I love it because there is such diversity and there is such things with risk-taking being made. Um, not to the same extent as the 70s, but you know, it's still there, um, it's still diverse, it's still 
in- intelligent and interesting and aggressive and nonsensical and um yeah anyway happy birthday to me 1973 what a year um happy birthday to two albums i should say how oh, wow happy birthday to me how how narcissistic a happy birthday to those two albums and all the albums that turned 50 this year and every single one of them every single one of them would have a legion of fans all with fond memories of the album either being released or discovering it for the first time like myself discovering Sabbath Bloody Sabbath I remember the day I remember it vividly I went to Loppy Lugs in Edgware I was buying an album I wanted to buy a heavy rock album a heavy metal album I bought Sabbath Bloody Sabbath because it, it was a at that time it had been remainded so it had a hole punched in the corner it was you know not to be sold at full price um it was in quite bad nick I remember the cover the vinyl was fine and just being blown away by it actually putting it on and going is this the heaviest thing I've ever bloody heard um of course because I was discovering music a lot I was probably about nine then I think maybe nine or ten when I heard Sabbath Bloody Sabbath um, for the first time. Uh, yes, I was. Because that was a time that I bought um, Peace of Mind. Yeah. And, you know, because I bought, I bought Peace of Mind and I was like, I want more heavy. I was only young, man, you know, but I still wanted heavy. And it was and I wanted something that was, um, that would upset my mum and dad. And it, to be honest, it probably really would. If I was allowed to play it live, loud, I wasn't. I had to play it through the headphones because... Unless mum and dad weren't in the house, and even then it was it was sneaking into my brother's stereo because I didn't have a stereo, um, and if my brother found out I was using his Bang and Olufsen top loading, um, had a had a record deck with the arm was in the lid, um, beautiful thing, linear tracking it was, and it was two two sided had a, uh, had an arm underneath and an arm above, so instead of having to turn the record around, you press a button and the arm would come across the bottom and played the other side. Ah modernism modernism at its best anyway that's me i've chatted enough please go do investigate those albums investigate all of them every single one of them um go to 97 and you know what if not go to the year of your birth right now and google what albums turned um have a birthday in your year and play them even if it's something you would never listen to even if it's a paul simon's album or a, a you know a Dolly Parton album, it doesn't matter. I reckon put it on and and try and feel what it would have been like to be living those times because this is what I do. It just gives me, it just makes me smile. Anyway, um, that's me for this week. My computer has decided to go into sleep mode again. Ah, oh, gosh almighty, hang on. I had set it up. I think I re, I, I added a, an, I updated the, the computer. And now it just does its own thing. Hang on. There you go. I'm going to have to fix it. I think I said it last week I was going to fix it and then I never got around to it. So that 30 seconds of me tapping the keyboard. Woohoo! Anyway, enough for this week. Bang. That was my folder. See, if everyone, was, if everyone had headphones on then, they're going to be taking them off now. Um, oops. I'll go downstairs and make myself a nice hot cup of tea and uh, a sandwich because it's lunchtime. Anyway, bye for now, guys. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.